We're recording. We are now recording. Evan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good. It's a nice, rainy, cold Friday in November. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've had um, a few weeks of being overwhelmed work-wise, and I've learned to uh, just put the kind of just one step in front of the other, like not look where I'm going and just like just get one step done, one step done, one step done. And I feel much better. I feel like I can finally like look up again from my feed and um, it paid off a little bit. Yeah. Is, and is that because you've gotten through a lot of the stuff that was overwhelming or you're just handling the same situation a different way? Um, yeah, well, it's we talked about uh, earlier about the need for like a project manager and you were saying my Enneagram type um, needs someone to help organize things, right? Because I, I love making lists, but the problem is I look at the list and I was like, oh my God, there's too much to do. I'm not going to do any of it, right? Yeah. Um, so for me, yeah, looking at the whole list, when the list gets too long, I get overwhelmed. And the only way I can get through it is just start with first one and get through it and then go on to the next one and get through it. And especially on a long list, it'll take a couple of weeks to do that. So right. during those two weeks, I'll be like irritable and like not completely there. And um, like you may have noticed me coming to the office and just, just need to disappear into what I'm doing because I just am overwhelmed by it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did know notice a difference today whenever you walked in. There was a little bit of yeah. a lightness. A that, bounce in my step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not that the other days were bad whenever it right. wasn't. There just is a tangible difference, I think, in the way, not just you, but we yeah. all carry ourselves whenever we're carrying a load that seems bearable or one that seems unbearable, whether it's the same load or not. Yeah. Do you, um, do you carry your emotions outwardly? Like, are you, are you someone that like when you walk in, like your wife knows what kind of mood you're in or what you've been going through or whatever? That's a good question. Because I don't, feel I, I don't say I don't feel emotion I don't identify emotions right often so I it's hard for me to say yes or no because nobody's said that to me maybe uh, in a second you can tell me if you notice a difference because I think I try to carry myself the same all the time no matter what I'm feeling and the exception to that being whenever I'm very down yeah when I'm very down I can feel that I'm very down or when I'm very up I can feel that I'm very up Everything in between is very difficult for me to huh. figure out. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you down. I've only seen you up and always like good attitude, always kind of peppy. And um, so that's interesting. I, I'm I'm not sure I'm great at recognizing my own moods. Uh, like my wife's much better at recognizing my moods than I am. Like she'll be like, you're, you're like in a funk right now. I'm like, am I? <laughs> <laughs> but um no, I, fi I find all that interesting, the way that we, we carry and, and balance all that stuff. Um, I wanted to bring something up um, that's been uh, on my mind this week, which is this. Uh, I'm reading this book, Disney War, which I think I've mentioned to you before. It's all about like the 80s and 90s, early 2000s in um, the company Disney and uh, all the leadership and the battles that they go through and all this kind of stuff. Um Mike Weisner is the CEO and you kind of like learn all these like dirty secrets about him. And he's just this kind of a terrible guy, but he did a lot of success for, for Disney. And so it made me really um, start to question like, um, like you'd look at his line of successes and he would maybe have, you know, two movies in a year that were a hit 
and then maybe like eight that were complete failures. And then you'd learn about all these movies that he passed on or like didn't take the right deal or making bad decisions. And I was like, we think that this guy is one of our most successful CEOs. He was the highest paid CEO in the nineties. Why is that? Like a guy that makes such bad decisions. Um, And it made me realize that when you have um, successes, no one remembers the failures. Uh, and he even says this, he's talking about turning around ABC. Disney purchased ABC, I think, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And they said, um, to have a hit network, all you need is one hit every six months, right? And then you become number one. Uh, and I was like, that's it? Like, you only need, like, one hit, like, out of the, you know, 30 shows that are on your network or whatever? Um, so I wanted to ask you about uh, just kind of how you view success, how you view that idea of um, – uh, like to me, th- the secret that I took away is like, it's not about how hard you swing. It's how many times you get up to bat. Right. Or it's not about the quality of your, your swing. It's how many times you get up to bat. Right. And for a, a major studio like that, they can afford to go up to bat, you know, 20 times a year and they're right. going to fail a lot. Um, and I think it's also in how you respond to that failure, but I'm curious of how you view, um, that kind of mindset of, of success and failure and, and, uh, how we're remembered, uh, what, uh, the at bat kind of ratio thing. I'm going to have a, a difficult time distilling like one stream of thought. Cause I had several as, yeah, you were, same as you were asking the question. Yeah. So the whole at bat scenario or, or metaphor I think is a good one is success. You know, taking a swing is success. Hitting the ball is success. Hitting a home run. And I almost think, that success is making the team like to, right. to even huh. have the chance to get up to bat, Yeah, which, and I think we talked about this. Uh, we work out of an office space with a nonprofit that has yeah. a boarding school in Kenya. And we were talking to them about the odds that these kids have stacked against them. You making the team doesn't always have to do with how good you are or even your own decisions in your life. But I think sometimes it has to do with, where you are and who you know and yeah how you privilege luck right right definitely location yeah and i don't want to diminish what i don't want to diminish the successes and the hard work people have put in to achieve success either i just don't always think i don't i don't know that i believe that there's a formula though i don't think hard work equals success what i love about one person we've worked with uh, Tommy and his message about success is the first step to achieving the set success is defining it for yourself. Hmm, right. And, and it, whenever you have the ability to define the success for yourself, then you have ability to achieve success. Yeah. So success doesn't always look the same for everybody. So how do you define success? That is a great question. I don't know that I have a future oriented definition of success anymore. Yeah. I would like to be able to continue working out of this office and not working for somebody doing things that fulfill me, not doing things that kill me. I would love to have a family that's not worrying about whether we're going to be eating this week or next week and and being able to pay the bills and not going into uh, crises. Although with these successful people, it's not the avoidance of crises that define them and define their success or what they're 
what they've done with their life. It's actually how they handle those crises. How they respond to it, right? Right, right. And it's the whole Ryan Holiday, the obstacle is the way. Yeah. The obstacles aren't actually obstacles because everybody is facing obstacles. And it's how you respond in the face of those. It's responsibility. It's your ability yeah. to respond to whatever life throws at you. I think that's a big part of it. If you're if you're batting 300, right? So you you hit the ball 3 times out of every 10 times you're up. How you respond to those 7 times defines you more than the 3 times that you hit the ball. Do you, would you say that's true? Like yeah. how we respond to failure, our ability to keep going. I mean, you hit you, you know, strike out 7 times in a row, that's pretty depressing, you know. Should you even are you even made for baseball? Should you even try again? What right. what are you do, what are you doing with your life? Yeah, you know? is that the only game to be played? And who right. told you that's the only game to be played? If you believe that, yeah. And I think for um, I think for you know freelancers or for entrepreneurs or whatever, that's a really challenging thing. If you if you've been up to bat seven times and you failed every single time, your ability to keep going a is going to define you. Um, I think also though. Uh, the great thing about looking at it in terms of at bats is the more times you're up at bat, the better you get at it, right? Right. In theory. It, yeah, I was gonna say in theory that would the better you're getting you, experience. Yes, you you have experience of of something uh, to go off of the more times you get up to bat. Yeah. Right. Right. What I like about the so first of all, I think it's worth acknowledging that I've never heard you make a sports reference before. I don't know <laughs> if you uh, do. You like sports? No. Okay. No. I like it I just... like baseball's my favorite. So I, okay. I I gave this analogy to a friend the other day, and he was repeating back to me the same analogy in different sports, and I was like, baseball's the only one. That <laughs> like baseball's a very um, the way I see it is a very storytelling sport. It's got nostalgia. It's got like. I don't know. There's something that I really connect with baseball about. Okay. Um, but I don't really watch it. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, That was just funny to right. me. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Was... <laughs> uh, and, okay, so this was another thought. I don't know if I'm following the same train or not uh, because that was a little drift. Growing up as a kid, I wanted to be in the NBA. Uh-huh. Like I wanted, for, for the purpose of this metaphor, like I wanted to play baseball. But yeah. I, for me, that was basketball. <laughs> Literally basketball. And it was my dream. Yeah. And what I appreciated about the people in my life, m- most specifically my parents, was that they never told me that I could not be in the yeah. NBA. Wow. Knowing full well that our family has a history of not being over six foot tall. <laughs> and in fact, I'm around five foot five inches. Yeah. And there's just no chance of, of me yeah. being in the NBA. But I discovered it on my own instead of somebody else telling me that I couldn't do right, that. Right. Which the process of self the, the process of discovering became a model for that the rest of my life and mm. I think gives me confidence to believe that I can do things that I know even if somebody tells me I can't do. It's not about actually doing that thing. Yeah. It's about the process of desiring something and going after it yeah. more so than than achieving success or, or being in the I NBA. I love that. Um, two thoughts. First, there's an amazing uh, parenting tip here, which is um, you're about to be a father. I am. Yes. Uh, I have a 16-year-old son. Um, but what you just said is key to me in that true privilege, and I'm using this in a positive way as opposed to how you normally hear it, is not related to money or status or um, 
uh, location or environment. True privilege is related to mindset. And like just what you just said, that your parents never told you that you couldn't do that. Like you had a mindset that anything is possible. Um, and that's, man, that's powerful and that's magic. And that's what's for a person to go through life with that mindset is amazing. And I know a lot of things are personality based. Like had you been born with a different personality or dealt with maybe depression or something that it wouldn't work out that same way, but just a great parenting tip of, of providing your kid a mindset that they can actually accomplish things like that's going right. to get them so far in life. Um, and I fear that maybe I haven't done the best job of that with my son, but you know, you, you always do feel that way. Um, I had a second thing. I can't remember what it was. I just did the NBA analogy. Parenting. My parents did an awesome job at not telling me. I'm trying to refresh your memory. But oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, nope, lost it. That's okay. Yeah. I was listening to uh, Pete Holmes' podcast where he interviewed Ryan Holiday yesterday. And there were several times whenever... Who's Ryan Holiday? Ryan Holiday is an author. He wrote, I think maybe his, the only book of his that I've read is The Obstacle is the Way. Uh. He's really big into stoicism. I think he's in his late 20s and he's written nine books and they're really great books. So he's an author, yeah. I think, uh, first and foremost. And he started writing early in his 20s. He's got The Ego is the Enemy. Huh. Uh, and his newest book that I have not read yet is Stillness is the Key. Huh. So he's kind of got That's the steam with his titles. Yeah, uh, They all that. tie back to stoicism, philosophy, a way of life. He would recommend Marcus Aurelius to anybody who asks them. If yeah. you just had one book to read, what would it be? Uh, yeah. His meditations. So oh, that's cool. he's kind of counterculture. He wakes up in the morning. And I act like I know a lot more about this guy than I do. This was from his podcast. Right, yeah. Holmes the other day. He wakes up in the morning and doesn't touch technology for a while. Yeah. Like first goes on a walk with his kid through the that's woods. Cool. And that's wow. very intentional that it's outside in nature. And uh, then does something physically active before he ever touches his phone. Whether it's good news or bad news that he receives via other people, information that he receives from other people, he wants to feel like he's in control of his life, uh, no matter the the circumstances. Anyways, in that podcast, I would recommend Ryan Holiday, uh, his writings, his blog, his email list. In the podcast, Pete and him got off topic several times. Right. uh, And then... Pete, who is hosting the podcast, would forget where they were. Yeah. And it was really fun watching them recover. Similarly to how, like, now we're on this new topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just takes letting the flow happen, essentially. So I think Um, that's fun. Which is funny because now you brought me back around to what I was going to say, which is um, I talk to uh, screenwriters a lot about this and coaching screenwriters of – I think it's dangerous to define success in a way that – uh, that you don't have control over it. So like for me, my definition is very simple. I just want to do what I love every single day. So like the way I challenge screenwriters, find what you love, do it every day for them. That's writing, right? You have control whether you can sit down and write or not. You don't have control whether a Hollywood studio is going to buy your script. Right. So Uh, putting that kind of definition on it, um, that's really good is just a real uphill battle and you're just going to constantly be disappointed. Um, so I do think there is something, and like you kind of mentioned, um, this author saying the same thing of making sure that you have control over what you're setting out to do, or at least you're have control over your goals. Um, in, in big part, because I think 
the failures hit so hard when you're reliant on other people or other things outside of your control to define that success for you. I think that's just a real, uh, I think it's a real rough way to go through life. Right. So if we took those to the extremes, which I like doing, because oftentimes those aren't reality, but they give us a good picture of where reality is. An extreme definition of success that you're not recommending is I'll be successful when I win the lottery. Right. Yeah. Right. Like that's a great way to put it. No control. And an extreme of the other way is I'll be successful. (laughs) I'm trying to think of the extreme. I was going to say when I wake up in the morning. Yeah. Um, And maybe that is as extreme as I could go. But I would even say like saying another word to you, like just being here in the moment. Right. There's there's nothing that has to be done. Well, a great example is like you wanting to be in the NBA. All right. So like you can't control whether you are in the NBA or not. Right. But you can control whether you play basketball every day. Yeah. You love basketball. You can do that every single day. Nothing's stopping you from doing that. Um, And basketball brings you life and it, you know, it's not making you a living, but it uh, is filling you with some sense of purpose. Yes, absolutely. And I look back on my childhood and I think that's just most of what I did with my time. Yeah. And what's fun about life and spending your time doing what your soul is kind of pulling you towards, sure. if I could use yeah, those words, yeah, yeah. which which for me as a child like was that. basketball. Like there was something in, inside of me that was drawn to this sport and this activity. And nobody was telling me that because you can't do this later in life, you need to stop doing it right now. Right. But what's fun about always following that draw of the soul Oh goodness! I just forgot that I, what I was going to say at the end of that. It's, I, know, I, I, I guess it's just fun going. drawing the soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's fun about draw, following your soul, following that? Goodness. See, I wish I was as funny as Pete Holmes because he often recovered with he, a joke. You can fill in the space, right? With a loud laugh. Oh, I know what I was going to say now yeah. is there are there are still lessons to be learned. So I was thinking about to, back to being a child playing basketball yeah. and, and the lessons that I learned from playing with a team, having a coach, uh, practicing right. a skill. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many things that I carry with me today yeah. because I was following my soul as a child. Right. And, and I use no, I those learnings that. today in my life. And that's the thing, too, is like if you're focused on like when I when I talk to writers, if your goal is to write every single day you are much more likely to sell a screenplay one day, right? Because you're making a daily habit out of your dream. You're not just, you're not waiting to win the lottery. You are getting up and you're working for a paycheck every day. Yeah, totally. What I like about even what we're doing now on the podcast is for me, a big fear of mine in in recording a podcast was sounding stupid or even getting to a situation. This is really fun because it just had getting to a situation where I would forget what I was saying <laughs> and there would be blank space. Like right. that's a big thing. I want to yeah. learn how to handle it. Yeah. And it's happened wanna... two times in this recording so yeah. that if I ever have the opportunity to be in the NBA of podcasting or communicating, whatever right, that would be, right. uh, use the metaphor. If I ever have an opportunity, I've just gained so much yeah. experience. We're getting more at bats right now. Right. Even this if isn't we're striking at-bat. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. I think we're at least getting a single. We're doing I think so. All right. We're bunting. Yeah. We're swinging. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Anything else? Thanks for the conversation. Yeah, this this was was great. This was a good one.
Yeah. It made me think a lot. No doubt. As always. See you next Friday. See ya.